Hey guys, welcome back. This is your host, Jacqueline. If you're new here, don't forget to subscribe. This podcast highlights women of color who are entrepreneurs and creatives, and we focus on getting through the transition process from feeling stuck to taking action on your dreams. We focus on doing the inner work so that the outside can manifest into your idea of success. So just really quick, I wanted to share with you that I had my first live event last week where I interviewed Jude, who went from marine biologist to makeup artist, and the event turned out so much better than I expected, all thanks to the support of the women of the Lazarus Experience, Gabby and Allison, where I had my event, and to all those who bought tickets and attended, and of course to my guest speaker who killed it. Um, I came out so inspired and energized that I decided or rather than created, put, put it in me, a vision of doing a workshop for podcasting. I really want to support women in taking action, having accountability, and especially accessibility when it comes to sharing your story, whether you're an entrepreneur already or an aspiring entrepreneur or even a creative. It's so important to tell our stories so that other women who may be going through a struggle that we might have experienced in the past can find inspiration in it and know that they can move forward too. If you'd like to learn more about podcast in a day workshop i'm actually hosting it um, this sunday the 7th so please visit the link in the bio on my instagram at amigapreneur to get all the details and today's guest is ariel hale she's a digital nomad marketing consultant and launch manager and a single mama who is slow traveling the world with her toddler silas this is probably one of the most I want to say intimate and honest interviews I had with someone on the podcast and what I mean by that is that she was really able to open up and like be vulnerable when it comes to her choices and really doing the inner work that was required to go from a workaholic to now a traveling mom. Yes, um, I think the most recent was having my son uh we before this we were talking a little bit about like identity shift and so it really resonated with me because i very strongly identified with being a workaholic i took pride in like hours logged tasks done pleasing the people that i worked with and working all of the time um and i had my son and that couldn't happen anymore like i physically like mentally just couldn't work in the same way that I was and so I went through this phase and even a depression of feeling like if I can't work like who am I like what am I what am I going to do and I even realized that I didn't have hobbies there weren't things that I was doing for fun and so getting through that but (laughs) that quote definitely resonates with me So what do you think, you know, in those moments? um, So it's going to be like a two-part question. I guess one, when you say, you know, I was a workaholic, I pride myself in that, and then it threw me into a depression, you know, when I had my son because I could no longer do that. What do you think led to you attaching yourself to being a workaholic? Hmm. Like, what did you get out of it? Like, for me, I'll give you, I guess, an example. Um, It gave me purpose. I realized after 
obviously like doing the inner work that being my daughter's uh, mother gave me purpose and made me feel valuable and it made me feel seen. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I felt from, I think I tied myself into being a workaholic for validation, which I think ultimately just stemmed from like low self-confidence and low self of worth and low self of sense. Like looking, looking back and like examining that, I can see it now. Um, I took my validation from, you know, like what's the next thing I can achieve? How, how can I keep this, you know, person that I'm working with happy? How much can I do? How can I outperform others? Um, so I, like that, that's what I got from, you know, being a workaholic. So once you had your son, you were saying that this was taken away from you, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. How did you, how did you work through that? I guess that would be my second question. Once you realize, you know, what it was and where it was coming from, what happened next after being depressed? Like, how did you work through that to reevaluate where value was for you now? I worked with a coach, um, Susan Ferraro, for two years, and she really helped me, like, sort through those feelings and really helped me to identify what was the root of the things that I was feeling because it was manifesting for me as, like, anxiety, extreme exhaustion, and just, like, a feeling of hopelessness. And so through working with her and like her program and her tools, I was really able to like heal and resolve those things, like those, those root issues. And it made space and cleared the way for me to start to even consider like this new identity, what I wanted it to be, how I wanted to create it, what I wanted to do. Um, that, that was what really had the biggest impact and just taking care of my, my health. Am I uh, am making my self-care a priority as well? What did you discover? Um, so the workaholic stuff, that's a good question. <laughs> okay, we'll go there. So a lot of, a lot of, yeah, a lot of the things stemmed from like my biological father not really being in my life and his own personal issues. Yeah, I won't get into it. I'll just talk about my stuff. But yeah. like a lot of the things stem from that, like feeling like I wasn't wanted or worth fighting for. I wasn't being seen. I wasn't being heard. And so I really took to academics and then work to sort of prove myself and be seen. And, you know, if I couldn't get the validation from, you know, one of the people I was looking for from most, I was seeking that through other people. And the only way I knew how to do that was to perform either with school or with work. So fast forward to, to now, right? Um, I think the gift that your son gave you was self-evaluation and like self-healing, right? So I think something in life always puts up something to allow ourselves to start looking within. Um, now fast forwarding to where you are today, what do you think that you would tell women or even go back and tell yourself who was too maybe too stuck 
or on the go, like what would be your advice to the younger version of you? What I would tell myself, I would tell myself a few things. I would tell myself that your, your self-care, your wellness, you are the priority. You are first and you really have to make that non-negotiable. Um, no is a complete sentence and you don't need to explain yourself. Uh, boundaries are healthy and necessary. And anyone who's pushing against those boundaries is just showing you that you're not aligned to work together or really be around one another. And then I would also say, like, follow your intuition and pay attention to the red flags. <laughs> uh, take the small warnings. Like, don't wait for the big warnings or things to fall apart to, like, get it. Now as a mom and as a entrepreneur and traveling and all that, how do you, like, live your life now that you've um, taken all of this? Um, moving forward because it's still a process, right? It's not perfection. What does right. that look for you now as a mother, as a woman, as a, an entrepreneur? Um, I'm always coming back to my own awareness. So I mean, traveling has really helped me to become more brave and even like even more patient. Having a child makes you become patient but then like traveling with a small child adds to that. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question for me? I lost what I was trying to say. No, no, it's fine. Um, I guess what I'm trying to, um, to get at is how do you process this new identity, this new person that you've now evolved to um, as a mother, um, as an entrepreneur, and someone obviously that's traveling? Like, how does that look for now? Mm. Um, I've, I've really taken the pressure off of myself to like plan and try to force myself to have everything all figured out. And I'm just at a point where, you know, I, I think about how do I want to feel today? What do I want to experience today? What do we want to do today? And, you know, I focus on, you know, instead of having like a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, I focus on like core feelings. And so I know that wherever I go, whatever path I get led down, if I'm focusing on how I want to feel, I'm headed in the right direction. I don't know about you, but I've made tons of plans. And anytime I sit down and make a plan, like it seems like the complete opposite happens. <laughs> yeah. I've given up on that. And I'm just focusing on how do I want to feel? Right, exactly. Especially with the small child, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So talk to us about the travel, you know, now shifting to you, traveling with your son. Um, I really am so curious about um, not just, uh, of course, especially being a mom and traveling, but also like the financial aspects of that. Like what made you, were you always traveling and then you became a mom and decided to incorporate that? Or like what made you take that decision? So growing up, my parents... We would do like a family trip maybe once or twice a year. And so we'd do like a trip to Mexico or to Hawaii. We've been to Brazil, the Bahamas. And, you know, they, they love to travel even if it's just a weekend getaway. So I grew up being comfortable going to new places and seeing new things. 
then as I became an adult and started working a lot, I wasn't traveling at all. I was barely leaving my apartment. Um, and so once I got into the online world, I started learning about, you know, being a digital nomad and working remotely. Um, how people were like coming to Asia to, you know, just work from Asia and, you know, live a good life. And so it took me, I think, four or five years to finally bite the bullet and start traveling abroad. And that was only after I had my son. I think what really pushed, there's a couple of things that really pushed that decision. Um, I was living in Seattle at the time and the cost of living was still is skyrocketing. Full-time daycare was the cost of rent for a one-bedroom apartment. And so I was in this vicious cycle of like having to take on more clients just to put my son in daycare or like have a nanny, things like that. I was like, this, this really sucks. My son's memories of me are just going to be me stressed out with my face in the computer all the time. I want to actually hang out with him and you know, be a mom to him, be able to step away. Um, and then the election happened and things started getting more tense and, you know, I felt dangerous. Hmm. And so, you know, being, uh, I'm not going to censor, but being a black and Latina mom, I didn't feel comfortable raising my son, at least not now, in an environment where he would be hunted and discriminated against and, you know, his chances for incarceration are much higher, you know, than for other people. And I wanted him to experience a life without like that fear and anxiety that, you know, we feel as people of color in the States. Um, So all that together helped to just push me to buy a one-way ticket and go. So there was like no thought. You just were like, I'm doing it. This is happening. Yes, correct. (laughs) I mean, not to go too into it, right? Like financially, how are you making that work? Like if someone wanted to do it, what would you tell them? These are the steps and like, this is how I structure my life. And so I have the time and the financial. Mm -hmm. So I have um, clients that I work with. I do launch management slash project management and marketing strategy. And that took me, again, like four years of hustling. I started as a virtual assistant, checking someone's emails, doing like random odd jobs for them, managing their calendar. And then just really like investing in education and opportunities to learn more and have, you know, was able to grow that into my own business where I'm not doing that stuff anymore. Um, so as long as I have, you know, good internet and my laptop is in good shape, then I can really work from anywhere. Um, so that's how I make money. I make really good money doing that. And then for people who are just getting started, if you've never worked online before, um, there's, there's so many things you can do. So if you're like, if you're great on the admin side and keeping people organized and things like that. Um, I would definitely look into starting as a virtual assistant. And if you've never done that type of work before, there's like tons of cheap courses on Udemy. Like just, there's no perfect pathway, right? That anyone can give you. You just have to start doing things and creating the momentum and stuff will fall into place. 
I like, I really want to stress that because people ask me all the time, like, well, what, what did you take and what did you do? And I'm like, that was my path. It's not, you can do the exact same thing and get completely different results. Um, what else? If you're a writer, you can become a copywriter. Uh, if you're more artistic, you can be a graphic designer. You can build websites, um, get into like ads. Uh, there's coaching. There's, I would say like you can pretty much do anything traditional online outside of like maybe being a doctor, but even doctors are, you know, moving parts of their business to online. You know, I, if I were to give someone advice, it would be like, what things do you do that make you happy and that you zone out on? Like you could just do it forever and you wish you didn't have to get up and stop doing like I would, I would figure out what that is for you and then turn that into, you know, whether it's a side hustle or a full business, yeah, I would turn, I would turn that into something you can make money from. You just answered my next question. <laughs> <laughs> because I think when someone wants to get started doing something different, right, when they start pushing maybe their career or how they're making a living, I don't think anyone really knows right? Like, I know that I don't like this, but I don't know exactly how to do something else. Um, and you talked about that happy zone. Can you um, go into that a little bit more? Did you know right away, oh, just VA, like what felt right for you? What exactly was it about launching and all of that? Um, so someone understands like, this is what happy feels like. It's a feeling and this is what it felt like. Because I don't think we um, and I'll say we, and I'll say myself, um, when we're in that place where we're not doing what we, we love and we're not doing what we love because we're distracting ourselves from whatever, you know, trauma or things that we haven't healed yet, we don't know exactly how to tap into our happy. You know what I mean? Or we don't know how to tap into our feelings because we're trying not to feel. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, at least that's been my experience. And through doing, you know, my research and obviously the self-work, um, I didn't know that because I was numbing out what I didn't want to feel. But I was also numbing out my joy, my happy, my purpose. So I didn't know how to tap into that. So how do you um, begin to tap into that happy, begin to tap and, and also feel that that is, you know, that that can be validated? that is value. So I was so blocked off and closed off for anything. Like people would ask me, like, what do you like to do for fun? And I literally didn't have an answer. So that's how much I was working. Like I couldn't even talk about anything outside of work. I had no hobbies or other interests at all. And so it really bothered me. I was like, I don't even know what I like to do. I have no idea. Um, and so I wouldn't say that like my work necessarily fulfills that need for me. I think what's appealing for me about my work is that um, the way I have things set up and structured now, it gives me space to be able to afford and pursue different hobbies and to get into that zone. Um, I don't... I still haven't fully figured out like what that, what those things are for me. I'm getting a better idea. I'm getting a bigger picture of it, but you know, <laughs> I haven't found it. And I've, I've taken the pressure off of myself of trying to figure out what like my passion is. 
so now I say like, my passion is just making sure that I feel good and that I'm doing my self care. I'm, I'm passionate about myself and about taking care of myself. And it changes day to day what that could look like, but that's my passion. I love that. I love creating a space for it. Um, I think we, when we force something that we're passionate about or excited about, um, I think we start killing that creativity when we force it to make it into a living. Yes. And it doesn't bring us money and it starts like weighing on that. But if you create something um, like you have, obviously project management, all of this that you're doing, and that allows you to create space for that. And it doesn't always have to be, your work has to be everything, right? Right. Um, so I really do love that, like creating a space for it and that it could change from day to day. But as long as you're creating, you know, that financial, you know, stability for you so that you have that to continue to do, have that self-discovery, I think that's really beautiful. Um, so you're definitely, that in itself, I think is such a big thing to try and remember that we're so layered and what may excite us today may not excite us, you know, down the line. Um, and that's okay. So you, it sounds like you've given yourself that flexibility to not have to make what you're doing everything, right? <laughs> yeah. I think like a lot of, I feel like the lot, a lot of the things that we're told we're supposed to do or should be doing, they just don't work for me. And so I really had to spend a lot of time with A, being okay, rejecting those things. And then B, feeling confident enough and okay enough to rewrite what, you know, those rules were for me. Where did you get the courage to like finally own that? Was it because of the work that you had done or it's just a, like a decision you made moving forward? I think it was having my son and doing the work like within myself and really having like the help and support, you know, the container to do that work. But a lot of things changed, shifted for me as far as my mindset when I had my son, because I just had this moment with myself where I was thinking like, wow, you grew lungs, a brain, an entire nervous system, fingers, toes, like you made and grew <laughs> and delivered a person. Like there is nothing you cannot do. <laughs> so I had that moment with myself and I was like, okay, you can, you can get through this. You can get through anything. This is mostly hormones and a little bit of a, you know, identity freak out quarter life crisis, but you can get through this. I love it. So I'm going to, I'm going to shift because I sent out a lot of moms. So I'm around a lot of moms sometimes and their kids are still little. Mm -hmm. um, and they always, you know, a lot of them travel and they stop traveling because they've had children and they love to travel. And so I asked them for questions because I'm like, I have a no mind mama. Questions. Um, so I got like six questions. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Um, number one is if my son freaks out when taking off on the airplane, what do I do? So people might not agree with this, but I bribe my son all the time. <laughs> and, and here's why. So like, 
I'm, I'm a little bit A-type, and so I had to decide how I wanted to travel, right? Because I left and didn't really have this figured out, and so I had to decide what was my priority when traveling. Do I want things to be convenient? Do I want them to be fast? Or do I want them to be cheap? For me, in order to feel good when traveling, I want things to be convenient, and then I want them to be fast. So the sacrifice is that being cheap. Like, so it's probably going to cost a little more the way I travel for things to be convenient. Or in this case, I may give my son candy or, you know, juice, something, a new toy, something to bribe him so that he can calm down on the flight because I don't want to be stressed out on the flight. So I would, I would bribe, I would bring like candies, chocolates, coloring books, stickers, anything you can to distract them. Perfect. Number two, when traveling to different countries, how do I cover my child medically? Oh, um, there is different travel insurance that you get. So I don't have, I probably shouldn't be saying this. (laughs) I don't have like just, I don't have U.S. travel insurance or regular insurance. I just have like travel insurance with a company and I can send you the link of the company that I've used. Um, yeah, but I just, I just went through a a provider and did it that way. And then I do want to add though, depending where you're at, like I'm in Southeast Asia and the medical care here is extremely, extremely affordable. So my plan is just in case of like a major emergency, like surgery, helicopter lift, broken bones, something very major. And then to go along with that, she asked what medication should be packed in every single trip? They have pretty much, okay, well, where I've been to in Asia, so Thailand, Indonesia, Vietnam, those are the three main hubs I've spent the most time in. They have the medication that we have in the States. One thing that was hard to find was uh, 1% hydrocortisone, and my son has eczema. So I I brought that in bulk. And then this isn't medication, but just like really strong bug spray. If mosquitoes bother you, I would bring that too. But everything else they have here, and you can walk up to a pharmacy and get a lot of stuff without a prescription. So good to go. <laughs> and, and the next question is, how do I pack the least amount of stuff for my child without panicking about wanting to take everything? <laughs> I love it. I'm not the person to ask about this. because <laughs> my trip back, I had five bags, like five or six suitcases with me. <laughs> I'm an overpacker. Um, I will say though that they have everything that we have there. So I would like the things that I brought were mostly like books and toys and stuff that I just couldn't get rid of while I was coming back. But they have like major clothing stores and brands. They have diapers and you know everything there. The brands are a little bit different, but everything pretty much works the same. Um, Something that might be a little bit harder to find depending where you go are like shoes and sandals for yourself and your kids. Uh, that, that tends to be a little bit hard. Um, but yeah, other than that, the, I, like they have everything you need here. I would pack as light as possible and then get stuff as you need it 
once you arrive at your location. I love that because it's like, these are things you don't think about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the next question is, what if my child doesn't like certain foods? Any snack recommendations? Sorry, for the last question, I do want to add, if you, um, if you're feeding, if you have a small baby and you're feeding them formula, I would pack your formula also. Hmm. Makes sense. Uh, picky eaters. So... Again, it really depends where you go, um, but they have, you know, chicken and rice. They have pizza here. Like I'm, I'm in Vietnam right now. I felt like Vietnam was the best as far as variety and the food I like. So there's pizza, there's like soups and broths. You don't have to, you know, eat anything like exotic or what would be crazy for you. There are tons of options that are like low key and mellow. There's grocery stores also, you know, like these are things I didn't even think about. So they do have grocery stores, specialty grocery stores, organic grocery stores, um, fruits and easy go-to as well. And then, you know, when in doubt, just pasta and spaghetti sauce. <laughs> that always works, ladies and yes. pressed. <laughs> um, and the final question was, do you recommend um, a stroller? Like, what is the best stroller? Ooh, yes. That was a major mistake I made. Bring your stroller. Don't check it under the plane. Keep it with you at the airport. My son behaved so much better just getting to, like, the plane and trying to find different terminals strapped into that stroller. Um, I would get one. I don't know what it's called because I bought it while I was in Thailand. So the brand, I don't remember the name, but the stroller is like a travel stroller. It's really lightweight and it folds down into a little square almost. So you can put it overhead. Um, and then, yeah, it's great to like just hold like a backpack or a diaper bag also as you're strolling through the different airports. So I would definitely find a lightweight travel stroller that holds down to carry on size. Oh my God, she's going to be so happy with you. And I'm pretty sure all the other moms are too. <laughs> and my question as, um, and I know that women are going to have this just like the Latino community, because um, how does your family like feel about you traveling? Because, <laughs> you know, they have, they never have an opinion about that. Um, <laughs> and like keeping roots, like how do you deal with that? Yes. So that was funny to deal with because my mom felt like I was taking her grandson away. He wasn't going to remember her. <laughs> um, you know, my family was very concerned about my safety. You know, like, I don't think anyone's really been to this side of the world. So they were really freaked out and scared. Um, and so I just told them, like, I'm going to go for a month and see how I like it. And then from there, you know, I'll decide what happens. And I think what helped them is just like, I talk to my mom every day. I FaceTime her, her and my dad. Um, and then like on social media, I share a lot of like what things look like and what we're doing. Yes. I love and, that. I just want to point that out. <laughs> I love that. Like it, it seems, it feels boring to me, but it really helps them to see like, Oh, okay. She's just having a normal life out there. It's pretty much the same thing. Like it's, it's fine over there. So that's really helped them a lot. Like they've had like questions for me and stuff. And I'm like, no, you know, it's exactly the same. It's fine. 
Um, and so now I have family members who are encouraged to travel more and further now also. So we're doing a big family trip this December to Brazil. We're like grandmas, aunts, cousins, everyone's coming out. And my final question to you is how can we help you? How can you help me? Um, as a community, as mom's traveling, like, yeah. can we help you? I would love to see just more like support for one another, more support and understanding and just saying like reaching out and saying, Hey, are you okay? Or you're doing a great job or, you know, what you do is amazing. And just encouraging people to travel or go after what it is they want to do instead of helping them come up with reasons why they shouldn't. Mm. I, I want to see more of that. And where can we find you? You can find me um, at arielhale.com or um, I'll be launching it this month, nerdnomadmom.com. That's where I'll be posting all the travel stuff. <laughs>